Well, good morning. It's great to be with you here this morning in Virginia. And uh, yes, I had to leave Pennsylvania and go south to get saved. (laughs) But, you know, God has been faithful and God has been good to us over the years and giving us good health and giving us good fruit. And um, just briefly, I will recount some things here. Uh, I first... Sister Sue and I, my wife Sue is here on the, on the second row here, uh, and Sue and I came here in 1993. I was going up to uh, Washington, D.C. to the Papua New Guinea Embassy and stayed with a friend of mine and his family, Sergeant Major uh, Fred Perez. He used to be a member of this church. Well, uh, came to the church here and they said, oh, you need to give us a a 10-minute testimony. Well, you were meeting in a gymnasium at that time in uh, 1993 and look at what God has done for you. Praise the Lord. And so we came here and and, uh, got saved. Well, Sister Sue and I got married in 1975, went in the Marine Corps in 1973. And um, Whenever I finished from the Marine Corps, I was had plans, you know, like the brother said this morning, I think and I feel and all that stuff, and uh, but it doesn't work. And so I got alone and prayed and asked the Lord, and the Lord said, you know, you need to go to Bible Institute, Wayne. Um, and I said, well, Lord, you know, I'm not a preacher. No, but, uh, you know, last of nine children raised on a farm, your dad was not saved, and, and uh, things were very rough growing up, and, you know, if you'll go to Bible Institute uh, and learn the Word of God, you'll know how to be a good husband. And if you'll go to Bible Institute and learn the Word of God, you'll know how to be a good father, because I didn't know how to be. And so that's why I went to Bible Institute. And so there we were in Bible Institute after getting out of the Marine Corps in 1977, one Sunday or one Saturday, we'd always go down on Saturday, pass out some tracks, and, and uh, preach on the street corner there in Beaufort, you know, for a 15-minute message. And there was a, a, at that time, there was a young lieutenant in his civvies sitting on a park bench and said, hey, guys, this is no place to be having church. And the uh, pastor said to me, uh, hey, Wayne, called me on the phone said, uh, I need you to go on visitation with me. I said, uh, where are we going? He said, we need to go see this young lieutenant. He's down on the street. And uh, he was saying, this was no place to have church. Well, after witnessing to him and uh, visiting him, he got saved. His name was Brother Doug Fisher. So, preaching on the street, passing out tracts. If one soul gets saved, what a difference it will make. You just need to be faithful, Semper Fi. (laughs) And then graduating from Bible Institute in 1980, and then later on, working at Gulfstream Aerospace because that was my occupation in the Marine Corps. I was an aviation structures mechanic. And uh, I worked at Gulfstream Aerospace in Savannah, Georgia, 
kept the children in Calvary Baptist Church where we had gotten saved, went to the AEC school there. And um, I remember being the missions treasurer at the church and interrogating missionaries. One missionary came through one time and he was going to Papua New Guinea. I said, you know, you mean to tell me that you think there's still people out there in the bush, in the jungle, that want the gospel and we're not reaching them? He said, yes, Wayne. There are still people out there in the bush, in the jungle, and we need more missionaries. So I was working on an aircraft up on the wing, drilling and doing some things, and my co-worker, he worked on the other wing, my good friend Bobby James. And Bobby James came over, and he leaned on the wing. He said, hey, Fair. I said, what? He said, you got that tool. I need that tool. I said, it's right there in the top of my toolbox. You can use that tool. And then he, he put his arms on the wing and looked up at me. And he goes, hey. I said, what? He goes, what be the matter with you? I go, what do you mean, what be the matter with me? He goes, look like your dog died. I said, man. Let me ask you something, Bobby. Uh, you go to a Baptist church? He goes, yeah, I go to a Baptist church. He said, why are you asking these questions? I said, man, this guy came by, he's a missionary, out to the jungles of Papua New Guinea. And I said, you know, <laughs> uh, I just wonder, you know, you know any missionaries? to the black folks. And he goes, you mean, you know, them guys like that guy Livingston out there living in a grass hut and all that in Africa? And I go, yeah. He goes, no. Why are you asking me? I said, man, it just you know, seems strange, man. You know, we'll walk around here and call each other blood and bro and everything. And a lot of your blood and bro would die. In the jungle of malaria and typhoid. Well, that was the beginning. <laughs> I began to give more to missions. I began to write missionaries. I began to pray more for missionaries. And in 1989, everything was going good. I was no longer an aircraft mechanic. I was an aviation <laughs> airworthiness inspector walking around with a white shirt inspecting other people's work and going with the crew chief to the run pad and running engines and making men eper and all this stuff on the Gulf Stream at that time was a G4. And uh, I said to Sue, I said, uh, I'm going to fast and pray for a few days. She said, what for? I said, I don't know. It's just God wants more, and I don't know what it is yet. You know? So in the fourth day of fasting and praying, <laughs> the Lord dealt with me in Hebrews chapter 3 about wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart and they have not known my way. And uh, the Lord dealt with me <laughs> that, that he wanted more from me. And I said, well, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm doing the hospital ministry. I do the jail ministry. I'm down in the street, you know, and, and I do visitation and um, I'm the mission secretary. And, and uh, you know, and then he brought up this thing about Papua New Guinea. And I said, wait a minute, you know. We got five little kids, and you know, there's malaria and typhoid and all those things. And Lord, are you sure? I'm just a 12th grade graduate from Keystone High School in Knox, Pennsylvania, and the ninth child, the last child. Uh, I'm just a poor. <laughs> and the Lord says, 
what do you mean you can't go? And I said, well, Lord, you know, I can't. And he said, in that still small voice, what if my son said, what if my son said, I can't go? I can't go down there to planet Earth. They're going to spit on me. They're going to ca- curse me. They're going to rip my clothes off. They're going to nail me to an old rugged cross. And besides, they're all a bunch of liars and thieves. And what if my son said, I can't go? You know, he was really the first great missionary. He left a good place. And he knew what he was getting into before he came. But he suffered it all because he loved me. Yeah, because he loved you and because he loved me. He suffered. He stayed. He could have called those 12 legions of angels. But he didn't. And so I surrendered to the calling and asked God to give me a verse of scripture, John 15, verse 16, to give me some security and confidence. And Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and that you should bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall need the thought, need, and ask the Father, that may give it you. And so <laughs> we left America. I went on a survey trip in October of 1993, September of 93, first time uh, I got to, to Papua New Guinea for a survey trip. And God blessed and showed me where I should go back at the end of the road, a bush missionary, which suited me fine, being a farm boy from the country. We started out in a grass hut with a bucket shower, fighting rats and living in a hard situation, but seeing people get saved and come to Christ. And the people asked, what was the greatest thing that ever happened, Sister Sue? when you got to Papua New Guinea. She said the greatest thing was after Wayne preached and the Lord got a hold of people's hearts and tears were coming down their face. And people come to Christ in the jungle of Papua New Guinea realizing that they needed a savior and that they were sinners. That was the greatest thing. Yeah. Yeah, we'll all be able to sing that song. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small. And so from there, we met a fellow in 1998 named Brother Brad Wells. He said, Brother Wayne, will you come with me? We're going to have a 30-day tent meeting. Let's preach over here. I'll tell you what. I'll lead the singing. You preach one night. You lead the singing. I'll preach the next night. We went for 30 days, getting up at 5 in the morning, having prayer meeting, and reaching the people of Papua New Guinea. And we saw folks getting saved. And then Brother Brad said, Hey, I was walking the mountains and walking the trail, finding it a hard time to get to some of these places. I got up over the mountain and there was a grass hut and there was a wire coming up out of the hut and I could hear a radio playing. This guy had flashlight batteries. He said, Wayne, I think we should put in a Christian radio station. What do you think? I said, well, we got a lot of good ideas, but you better make sure that God's on it. So 
you know, we had a little work structure, Sister Sue and I did. We sponsored a fellow in named Gene Sharp, and he helped Brother Brad Wells set up the first Christian radio station in the year 2000 that came on the air. And so God has taken care of all these things and blessed us along the way. And then some of you used to have a song leader here at this church, and his name was Brother Tim Souza. And just after my daughter went to Ambassador uh, College in Lattimore, North Carolina, and met a young man, the last of the Souzas, named Jonathan Souza. And so my daughter is married to Jonathan Souza, who is Brother Tim Souza's little brother. There are no coincidences with God. And so to get to our message today, turn in your Bible. And the message today is, have faith that follows God. Have faith that will follow. Having faith that will follow. Turn in your Bible to the book of Mark. And let us look at Mark chapter 11. That's our springboard to start off with. And Mark chapter number 11. And verse number 22. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. Well, some folks will say, I don't need faith. I got everything. I got a good job. I have this. Well, let me tell you something. If you want to please God, the Bible says it is impossible to please God without faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so today, (laughs) Mission Booth Sunday, how are you going to support missions? We call it faith giving. You know, I'm not real deep about some things, you know, because I'm just a grade 12 graduate. And so the Lord's always helped me by, you know, keep it down on the lower shelf where I can grab it. Okay, and so this is the way God put it to me. Oh, Lord, I said, I'm giving a tithe and I'm doing this and, and I'm, I'm busy with that. And Lord, my missions and faith giving and, and the Lord goes, well, I, let me ask you something. Those children, that wife of yours, are those yours or is that mine? I go, well, well Lord, they, they belong to you. He goes, well, you know, that job that you're working and that money you're getting, is that because you did? Well, no, Lord, you blessed me, gave me good health and gave me an understanding where I can be a, you know, good metalsmith. And so you gave me the job. Well, what about my car? Uh, Yeah, brother so-and-so wanted to borrow that car. And I said, well, yeah, it's a brand new car. I want to loan that car. And the Lord goes, well, you know, is it your car or my car? And I go, well, Lord, it's your car. He goes, well, look, let the brother go ahead and use it. Okay, Lord. How should you be looking at it? Keep it simple. You belong to him. Your job belongs to him. Your money belongs to him. Your wife belongs to him. Your children belong to him. He can take it away from you in a moment. Or he can bless you. So I just want you to look at it this way, Wayne. I want to give X amount per month to missions through you. 
Am I good for it, Wayne? Well, yeah, I mean, God, I mean, you're good for whatever you, t- well, okay, this is what I want to give. And I go, well, Lord, that's, a, I mean, I'm already, just, you know, trust me. By faith, if I tell you this is what I want to give, then I'm giving it through you. Okay? Whew. Man, that's hard, God. <laughs> give by faith. And so that's what we do. We give by faith. We live by faith. We go by faith. And when we're on the mission field, people are praying for us by faith that God will take care of us. And so looking in your Bible again, let us turn from that. Let us go to quickly Luke chapter number 8. In Luke chapter number 8, there's going to be troubles. There's going to be trials along the way. Uh, There's going to be wind. There's going to be rain. There's going to be heavies that you've never thought that you would be able to go through. But if God be for you, who could be against you? And so looking in your Bible at Luke chapter 8, another verse that goes along with this is verse number 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day that, that he, Jesus, went into a ship with his disciples and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him, they came to Jesus, and they awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose, and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased. And there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, they wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the waters, and they obey him. (laughs) Where is your faith? Jesus said, Have faith. Looking at our sermon today, have faith that follows. Having faith that follows, that's what we want. Whether we're working a job here in America, whether we're preaching the gospel in the jungles of Papua New Guinea, or whether we're on deputation, going from one meeting to the next, we need to have the faith that follows. Follow, follow, I will follow Jesus anywhere. Everywhere I will follow on. That's what we want. So point number one in this message is where is your faith? Boy, I'll tell you what. Don't be putting your faith. Some folks are going to be putting their faith and say, I got my faith in the might of the military. Well, that, the might of the military can fail. Well, I have my faith in the economy. Well, it's not very strong. <laughs> Don't be putting your faith in the economy. Well, I got my faith in education. I have a degree, and I am. (laughs) Don't be putting your faith in education. It will fail. The job will fail, and that piece of paper will fail you. And I have my faith in I have the means. I know how to talk, and I know how to slick them over, and I know how to get this contract, and I know how to. Don't be putting your faith in how you can finagle something. 
Because God will make sure that you fail. Because why? Because you become your own God now. You act like you don't need God. And God says, the only thing that pleases me, according to the Bible, is faith. Well, where is that, Brother Wayne? Well, that's right here in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, he makes this statement in the Bible. Verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Him who? God. For he that cometh to God must believe that God is, that he is. And that he, God, is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, to diligently seek something is when you lose the keys to your car and you've done, moved the couch and you swept everything and you cleaned the table off and you went through everything. You went through your purse. You went through your pockets. You went through everything. You diligently seek after those keys. And you finally say, wow, I found them. I left them lay right on top of the refrigerator. Wow. That's diligently seeking. I mean, you could tear the whole house apart. I'm going to find this thing. And that's where God wants us to get. He wants us to get to the place where we are actually going for the gusto when it comes to finding God. I need to find the answer to my problem. And if it takes fasting and prayer, and if it takes doing without food, if it takes whatever it takes, I need an answer. I have got to have some relief to my situation. And so, where is your faith? Well, you need to have faith in God. Some will say, I don't need faith. Well, you do need faith if you want to please him. Now, we as human beings do two things. We either please God or we can grieve God. You can grieve him. And if you grieve him, you'll make him unhappy. And if you make the heavenly father too unhappy, you're going to get a whipping. And and you're not going to like what's going to come down the track at you. And um, we have the story in the Old Testament of the Hebrew children that complained and they whined and... uh, it caused them big pain in the end. They didn't get to go into promised land. He said, you know what? You're going to die out here in the desert. Oh, your children will go in there, but you're not going in. <sighs> notice whenever it comes to pleasing God, you have to have faith. And notice what Jesus said in the book of John and John chapter number 8. Concerning point number one, where is your faith? Well, in John chapter 8 and verse 29, notice that Jesus said this. Jesus said, and he, concerning God, and he that sent me, and God that sent me, is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. For why? For I do always those things that please him. You know, I just want to find out what it is God, what do you want? And the Lord says, I want faith. I want faith that follows. Can you follow and obey what I tell you to do? Well, Lord, I just want to know, seek me. Seek me and you will find me, Wayne, (laughs) if you seek me. 
So the second point is, are you grieving God? Look at your Bible in Hebrews chapter number 3. Quickly turn to Hebrews chapter number 3. And in Hebrews chapter number 3, are you grieving God? Are you deceiving yourself to think, uh, you know, God, I'd be happy. I used to think this as a lost guy. You know, the way things happened to me was I I was a lost guy having a beer party and carrying a a bag of ice under my arm. And some guy approached me in the parking lot and he came up and he says, hey, uh, can I give you a gospel tract to read? And I go, what's that? And he said, it's a a gospel tract. Tells you how you you can go to heaven when you die. (laughs) The corporal was with me, grabbed it, and he's going to tear it up. And I said, wait, hey, hey, pull it back. I said, listen, man, it's just a piece of paper. What are you afraid about? You know, if he's got the guts to give me a piece of paper, I got the guts to read it. Leave him alone, man. (laughs) And so, lo and behold, come Sunday morning, she wanted to go to church. And I said, I'll take you to Little Methodist Church over in Port Royal. Got over there. There was a poster board on the door. Said, sorry, no church today. Took the kids to youth camp. I drove around the block, came up to a stop sign, looked on the left. There was a little wooden church over there. Said, Calvary Baptist Church. I pulled into that driveway. I said, look, church is church is church. You're going to church here today. Went in there, that guy preached hellfire, damnation. Some of you think you're going to heaven because you did God a favor and showed up to church today. I'm telling you, you're about ready to bust hell wide open, drinking, smoking, running, chasing after women, all this. Who told him about me? (laughs) I got saved. Preacher said, brother so-and-so, take this brother back here, and show him some verses on eternal security. And I'm walking back the hallway with that brother, and I looked at up in his shirt pocket, and I said, I know you. He said, I don't know you. I said, Leah, last month I was having a beer party, and you gave me one of these things you got in your pocket called God's simple plan of salvation. There are no coincidences with God. Just so happened you end up in the church where some guy gave you a gospel track last month and you got saved. You might be deceiving yourself like I was deceiving myself. I did God a favor. I came to church today. He ought to be happy with me. <laughs> you better wake up. God is only happy with us when we come clean and we say, <laughs> when I got under the conviction of the gospel gun, And he said, you're this and you're that. And I was guilty of all those things. And I said, yeah, that's me. I came out with my hands up. I got saved. That's all God wants you to do. Just come out with your hands up and say, you know what? I'm a sinner. I know I've been doing wrong. And Lord, I know I'm not good enough. Every time I try to be good enough, I keep failing. And the Lord says, you know what? Turn your eyes upon my son on the cross. He said it was finished. And when he said it was finished, he basically bought your airplane ticket to heaven, put it there on the counter and said, whosoever will may come. Are you grieving God? Are you deceiving yourself? Quickly look at Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 8. 
Harden not your hearts. As in the provocation in the day of temptation, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they provoked the Lord. Huh? Talking to the Hebrew children in verse 9, when your fathers tempted me, they proved me. They saw my works 40 years. Verse number 10 of Hebrews chapter 3. Wherefore, wherefore I was grieved with that generation. And I, I said, and said, they do always err in their heart. And they have not known my ways. When the Lord dealt with me about surrendering to go to Papua New Guinea, he was dealing with me. He said, listen, son, if you'll do what I tell you to do, you'll, you'll please me, make me happy. But if you don't do what I tell you to do, you're going to grieve me. And I'm thinking, well, Lord, what did you want to give them? He goes, listen, Wayne, I wanted to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. I wanted to give them joy unspeakable and full of glory. I wanted to bless them. But at every turn in the road, they kept looking back at that Egypt. They kept looking back at that world. They kept looking back at that job, that money. <laughs> wish I had that fish. I wish I had that rice. I wish I had them watermelons. I wish I was back there in Egypt. Listen. You get hung up on your materialism. All this stuff in the world. This stuff ain't going to get you into heaven. You live for stuff. And that stuff is going to be left behind. And your soul is going to be eternally in heaven or eternally in hell. So you need to give up the stuff. And you need to seek the Lord. Notice he says here, verse 11, so God said, verse 11, so I swear in my wrath, and I said this, they shall not enter into my rest. Therefore take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened. Hardened how? Through the deceitfulness of sin. Oh, it'll slick you over. It'll con you. Are you okay? You gave some money to the church. You showed up Sunday. No, that's not good enough. Hey, God doesn't owe anybody anything. Nobody's going to get to the pearly gates and say, God, you need to let me in because, you know, I did this and I did that and I did this and you owe me, God. No, God doesn't owe anybody anything. If anything, we owe him. Because why? We sing the song. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. If you're not saved, if you're not born again, if you don't have Christ as your defense attorney on judgment day, you're not going. Because God don't owe nobody. He doesn't owe. We owe. Are you grieving God? Are you deceiving yourself? Notice what James says. Just a couple more pages going back towards Revelation a little bit. Turn to the book of James in chapter number 1. In James chapter number 1. What does the Bible say in verse number 26? If any man among you seem to be religious... And he bridleth not his tongue. He's cussing, he's swearing. Oh, he's using all kinds of curse language. What is he doing? <laughs> if any man among you seem to be religious, and he bridleth not his tongue, that man does what? 
but he deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. Again, deceiving yourself. Look at verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Are you grieving God? Are you deceiving yourself? You say, well, only me and the Lord knows. Yeah, you and the Lord know. You can hide from Wayne. You can hide from Pastor Mark. But you aren't going to hide from the Lord. He knows. And it's best that you just come out with your hands up and come clean. And get your heart right with God. So that you can be happy. And you can know that heaven is your home. And that Jesus will be your great defense lawyer. (laughs) Yeah, when it comes to the end. And the books are open. And the great judge, God Almighty, is up there. (laughs) And we all are lined up, naked, before God. And he says, Wayne Fair. And I say, Sir, Wayne Fair. At that time, I'm not going to heaven because of all the good things that I did. I'm going to heaven because of what my Savior did. My defense attorney, Jesus Christ, will step up and he'll put his arm. And you say, Your Honor, I think if you look in the book of life, 1975, I took my client's case. Wayne Fair. I'm here to represent him today. 1975, 1975, book of life. Let's see. Wayne Fair. Yes, sir. My son took your case. Pardon. Next. Don't you think you're going to show up at a judgment and it's going to be God's going to put all my good on one side, God's going to put all my bad on the other side, and if my good outweighs my bad, I'm going to heaven, and if my bad outweighs my good, I'm going to hell. It don't work that way. It's going to be Jesus Christ, the righteous, and you, the sinner. You say, I'll represent myself. You'll go to hell. You better have Jesus Christ, the righteous. The book of First John says he's going to be our defense attorney. Let us close with point number three. Point number three is, have you believed? Have you believed? Looking again at Hebrews chapter 3 as we close. And Hebrews chapter number 3 and verse number 15. Why didn't those children of Israel, why didn't they get to go into the promised land? Because they refused to believe. They refused to believe what God said to do. They continued to murmur. They continued to complain. They refused to believe Joshua and Caleb that gave a good report. We can take it. The Lord is with us. They said, no, let us appoint us a captain and let us go back to Egypt. And it made God so hot and so angry. He said, You won't believe me. You won't believe Moses. You won't believe Joshua. You won't believe Caleb. Therefore, you will die in this wilderness. Hebrews chapter 3. Have you believed? Verse 15. 
While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, you'll hear God's voice. Harden not your hearts as in the day, as in the provocation. Verse 16, for some, when they had heard, they did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. Joshua and Caleb didn't provoke the Lord. They got to go into the promised land. They didn't die in the wilderness. Verse 17, but with whom was he, but with whom was God grieved for years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? And so we see, they could not enter in because of unbelief. Where is your faith today? Have you put your faith in God? Have you put your faith in education and your money? For you need to be putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's just two steps to salvation, and that is this, simply this. Acts chapter 20 says, repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I come today. I know I'm a sinner And I know, God, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. Lord, I need a strong defense attorney. I need a Savior. And if you'll come today and you'll put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, confessing your sins and repenting of your sins, whenever you come, God and Lord Jesus Christ will be looking through you through that magnifying glass and he'll be looking right into your heart and the Lord Jesus will say, Father, he's serious today. He's ready to sell out lock, stock, and barrel. And the Father will say, okay, we'll buy him. We'll buy him. We'll redeem his soul from sin. And the Lord Jesus Christ will come And put his hand on your shoulder and say, it's okay. I've taken your case. I've taken your place. Yeah, I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. But Jesus took my place. True Bible salvation in Hebrews chapter 4 as we close. This is our last verse. Hebrews chapter 4. And what will you find, Brother Wayne? You will find rest. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. You say, I just want to find peace. I just want to find rest. I've been wrestling and wrestling and wrestling and come to the Savior. Put it all in the altar. Come out with your hands up and say, God, I'm a sinner. Please, will you take my case today? I'm looking for rest and peace. And you'll find peace that passes all the understanding of the world. What do you have to do? Believe you're a sinner. What do you have to do? Believe that you're not enough. But Jesus is enough. 
And today, as we stand to our feet, and every head bowed and every eye closed, this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity to come and do business with the Savior. This is your opportunity. Oh, just say, God, I need I need help. Maybe you're here and you're saved. Just say, Lord, help me. Help me to have faith that will follow you wherever you tell me to go. Help me to have the faith to give whatever you tell me to give. Help me to have the faith to pray for missionaries and to stay, Lord, to be faithful until you blow the trumpet. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, Brother Carpenter, you come. As our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, the piano begins to play this morning. Wayne gave us four words. Please, grieve, deceive, and believe. Please God only by faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. We grieve God by our unbelief. We grieve God by our lack of faith. You deceive yourself with your own righteousness, your own thoughts, your own ideas. Today you can believe God and be saved. You can believe God and increase your faith and serve Him and yield to Him. The Lord's touching your heart today. Won't you respond to Him? If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you don't know for sure the heaven's your home, would you in your heart raise your hands and surrender? Give up trust God and trust him alone today we'd love to share that with you there's some men here some ladies down here would love to share from the scripture how you can know Christ as your savior